So great to see you and thank you so much for the prayers and the worship. It's great to continue to gather. It's just really exciting to do it. And um, yeah, let's not forget that, uh, that it just doesn't happen on Sundays as we were saying on Sunday too. It's good to see groups connecting in the week, but I just wanna encourage you if you're not connecting through the quizzes or your midweek group, then please reach out. And there's loads of different ways to, to connect as a body. Kids, I want to thank you. Your pictures were incredible. They're amazing. Thank you so much. And the palm fronds and wonderful stuff. There's more for you guys to do uh, on Good Friday. So wait for that um, as I come through. But um, we're about to go. We're carrying on in our Exodus series. Our Exodus series is going to lead us up to Easter Sunday and Passover. So we're sticking with our series because that was our intention all along to, to lead us towards uh, Passover. So this is uh, one of two parts. I'm actually going to be covering Egypt and the plagues and then on Sunday Aaron will take us into the Passover as well. Um, I don't know about you but uh, days and dates have started to blur a little bit so I didn't have Good Friday locked in my head a, a week ago and I suddenly realized wow Easter is coming and, and so looking forward to, to it and um, um, so 11 o'clock Good Friday and 11 o'clock Easter Sunday that's what you need to remember both at the same time both using the same link. Now kids and parents listen for your kids and youngsters. And, and by the way, just so you know, um, one of the things I do professionally is I, I draw. Um, I don't know if you know that, I do a lot of training, but one thing I've developed over a skill over the last sort of year is the ability to, to draw live, like cartoon type stuff during a training um, or a conference. So I stand at the back of the room and I, I paint and draw. Uh, so this isn't just a thing for kids. Uh, this is a thing for, it's very much part of a lot of training now to express through visual learning. What are you hearing? What are the messages you're getting? So kids in particular, but parents listen for your kids and maybe do it yourself too. For Good Friday, I need your help kids. What I want you to do um, as we lead up towards Easter Sunday, I need you to do something for me by Friday. And that is to draw one or two or three things. I'll tell you what they are. And you can draw them, or if you're even younger, you might colour one in, because I want you to hold them up to the cameras on Friday as I speak and take us through uh, nine different things. But there's three things I want you to do. I want you to draw a frog. So draw me a frog by Friday. Coloured in green. <laughs> uh, well, brown, maybe some frogs. Uh, draw me a fly. Uh, you can do a little tiny gnat type fly or a big fly. It's entirely up to you. And the tricky one, the tricky one you might need help with is to draw a locust. Um, and also on Friday, if you can have pens and paper like with you, I'm going to actually ask you to draw something live as well. Uh, it won't take long. It's something quite quick, uh, quick to do. So I'll do that on Friday. So kids, you're going to be play a big part in our Good Friday service. You're going to help me tell uh, a very uh, detailed story very quickly, and your pictures are really going to help me. So be ready for that. All right, that's the preamble. Let me get into the preach. I'm going to preach for about 25 minutes, and then we're going to, uh, as we did last week, break off into uh, prayer groups. Uh, and what that will be a bit more open-ended. It'll be longer this week to give you more time, but we'll talk about that later. Because today is all about a battle for authority. Um, and uh, like Aaron did a little bit last week, I'm going to do some matching up. Uh, um, it's more like a pre-match warm-up um, I'm doing this week, but matching up some things against each other. So you are going to see some repetition um, from last week. And if you look back weeks before and going forward, that is a very good thing. I make no apology for the theme starting to repeat throughout the next uh, few preaches and series because um, that's that's what the Bible does. It reinforces many messages through multiple different ones. So let's not be bothered if I say something and you think well, we prayed that last week. I hope we did and I hope we continue to do so. So what I'm going to go through today is two things. 
One is Moses versus Pharaoh, and that's a comparison of two hearts that are very different. And I'm also going to do God versus the Pantheon. Um, if you don't know what that word means, don't worry, you'll, you'll um, hear about it later. But before, before I even start this, I'm going into the plagues, and I'm going to just briefly deal with the elephant in the room, as they say. Um, I, I'm happy to talk to anyone offline about this. I don't want to do it um, particularly uh, now through messaging. I wouldn't react quick enough anyway. Um, but I firmly believe coronavirus is not a plague like in Exodus. Um, I'm going to make some comparisons to what God is doing through uh, the story of Exodus, um, how he's dealing with Egyptian gods and how many circumstances in our lives he challenges the things that we idolize and he's battling for authority. He's doing that all the time. But during a time of intense national global pressure, those things have been laid together and many things are being challenged. So I do believe God is using this time. Um, he didn't create it, um, but it's with us and he is going to use it um, to call us to come to him again and decide where we've put our trust. Um, so what I was thinking about, should I do a long explanation of that? I'm not going to. I'm actually just going to read to you the reason I believe that this is um, true. And, and I'll leave you with the scripture. You can look it up another time. Isaiah, Isaiah 56.3. We read this at Christmas all the time. Christ has come. Exodus is pre-Christ. Christ has come. And it's prophesied by Isaiah this. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that has brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Christ has come and he has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It says in the message translation, and God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong, on him, on him. The cross and Christ is where God's wrath now rests till judgment day. And I'm leaving it there. And I'm literally leaving it there on his shoulders. So we are going to carry on into Exodus and we are going to go into chapter seven. We're only going to do a part of that today. Um, then on Friday, there's going to be this quick walk through uh, the specifics of what come with the with the 10 plagues. I'm going to do one to nine on Friday. Um, so let me read to you uh, this. I have to keep going across to click. So hopefully you're keeping up with my screen. This is uh, chapter 7, 1 to 5. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. You are to say everything I command you, and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt, with a, and with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring out my divisions, my people, the Israelites, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. So um, let's just pause there and make it the overarching point of why I called this the battle for authority. Um, and Aaron said last week that he took, looked back at 5-2 and, and, and Moses asked this question, who is the Lord that I should obey him? 
and let Israel go. I do not know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. And I'm kind of expressing, picturing kind of the way in which Pharaoh responded. Who's the Lord? I, Because Pharaoh believes he's a God and he's the representative of a God on earth. Ra, he's considered to be a God. So he's just like dismissive. So picture his face mocking Moses, his declaration that the Lord, Yahweh, Lord, capital letters, is God. The God of Israel is God over all gods. And, and he's telling Pharaoh to let the, let the Israelites out of slavery. And God, God's response is just to, is to actually make it very clear to Moses how to answer Pharaoh. Because he says many times, I will, I am, I will, my hand, I'm going to do this stuff. I, Yahweh, God, Lord of all, I, I'm going to do these things. And the plagues deal with Pharaoh's mockery and his disbelief. They, they tackle them dead on. Um, and, and the gods of Egypt, are he thinks they're a match. He thinks he's a match to, to God, as was um, shown last week through Aaron's preach. He thinks his gods are a match for anything that can be thrown at them. Um, and he even thinks they can take down the high-ranking Egyptian god of Ra. Uh, that Pharaoh is Ra's representative on earth. And so this battle for authority is one he's going into thinking he's going to win, but God's going to win. We know that. God's No spoiler alert there. God is going to win. Um, and in that case, you might ask this question. Why does he just skip past the 10 plagues? You do the 10th one, which is which is um, one of the saddest ones to read about. But why would he, why did he just jump past? This is because God is going to dismantle the Egyptian belief system. Brick by brick, God by God idol by idol he's going to dismantle it all not just deal with you know you just have to do what i say he's going to use this moment to deal with and break down their belief system um so let me go uh, moses versus pharaoh and this battle for authority this pre-match warm-up let me read it again you are to say this is to moses to moses everything i command you and your brother aaron is to tell pharaoh to let the israelites go out of his country I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Now, there's a couple of things I want to bring out here um, about Moses and Aaron, in fact. They, uh, as you see that what comes through um, the, the coming chapters, they seem to be working it with a very of the new level of confidence. They've gone from, and especially uh, Moses, with all that protesting that Aaron walked us through last week, and, and we've been alluding to for a while, uh, is gone and there's a new confidence coming in uh, even the previous attempt to confront Pharaoh that fails uh, and, and the Israelites turn against them something's changed and what I believe has changed is God has finally gotten through to Moses to Moses sorry and to Aaron he's got through and now Moses and Aaron have got it God is the great I am and he's going to make good on his promise today is Palm Sunday and and you know, people were waving palms um, and celebrating Jesus's entry to Jerusalem. That's because God was making good on his promise. The long-awaited Messiah was turning up and they were celebrating with palm fronds and with coats on the floor saying, he has arrived. God has made good on his promise. Oh, my dog's agreeing. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but a critical change I see is, is that Moses finally realizes that he... Moses is not going to do much. He just needs to be obedient. 
God's going to do all the heavy lifting. I will, I am, my arm, my hand, I'm going to do it all. Just do as I tell you. And Moses needs to be obedient to his instruction. And the trap that we Christians often fall into, and I fall into too, is to overinflate over my role in salvation. Overinflate my role in God's work. And um, my role, your role, is far simpler in many respects. It is to be obedient to God's calling, the commission on our lives. And guess what? He sent his spirit to help us. In all of this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news, to preach freedom to the captives. That's great news. And it doesn't mean preach as in 45 minutes on a on standing up or 25 minutes online. That's a, that's a sermon. This is to proclaim, to proclaim good news. We are called, And we are called also to pray for the lost. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, it says in Luke. Only he can save, but we are told to pray repeatedly for all peoples. And we want to be used in the work that he has prepared before us. That includes praying for the lost and getting out there and when he, when he instructs us and doing what we can and being obedient to share the gospel in any way we can. Um, so we're told by Jesus in Matthew uh, 10, 19, several times and in key moments in scripture, not to worry that God will give you by his spirit his breath, the right words at the right time. The Father will speak through us by his spirit. We just need to be obedient. Um, so there's not a clear moment in this scripture where you see Moses stop protesting and move on. But in the next three chapters, what you see is an obedient heart, a mouthpiece and a communicator for God. He says, you will be like God to Pharaoh. In other words, you will speak truth. You will speak my truth to him. But it comes up against a hard hearted Pharaoh. Um, and, and that, that obedience thing is, is, leads us into a thorny topic with, with um, Pharaoh, the hardening of his heart. You know, I've studied this, looked at it. There's, you need to look at it quite closely because on the surface, this looks a bit unfair because God says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And consequently, a lot of what follows is a result of that hard heart that God seems to make Pharaoh have. That seems unfair, right? So this is a short online service. I don't have time to go into uh, the details. I'll say where I've got to uh, with a study I've done, speaking to people I trust, me and Aaron even talking this morning. Um, I believe that God did not make Pharaoh hard-hearted. The proof of that is he was already cruel. He was already ruthless. He had already made them make bricks with, without straw. They had to go and get it themselves. Keep the numbers up, make the same. I'm not even gonna give you your materials. You're gonna to have to go and get them. He was already a hard-hearted, brutal man. My belief is that God knew that. Um, and when he said, who is the Lord that I should obey him? That was, uh, again, his hard-heartedness towards God. I don't care about your God. My gods are better. So he was a ruthless, hard-hearted Pharaoh that had resistance to, to God built into him anyway. It was already part of his nature. And I believe that God allowed that to increase. You will see, we'll talk about it next week. In the first five plagues, Pharaoh, Pharaoh keeps getting harder and harder and harder. The remaining five it's no longer Pharaoh's heart being hardened by himself. It's God starting to, to take him forward. So in the first five, it's just Pharaoh being resistant. And God knows as he escalates through and God has to take it through to the conclusion to communicate, not just to Pharaoh, 
but to all of Egypt and to us today, that he is going to dismantle all our gods and say, I am the one, the only one you need. It echoes today, I think. I, I, I don't mean to be, you know, I'm not um, pretending people aren't struggling right now. And this is all just, you know, fine and let's smile through it. But, but up till three weeks ago, I think a lot of people were much more hard-hearted towards God than they are now. And, and we believe that we had all the answers. We believed that we knew. And what I'll, what I'll bring out on Friday as well is through the, 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 the plagues that build up through uh, Exodus is that God's stripping back. And I think our securities and our idols have been been stripped back at this time. Like I said before, that happens throughout most of our lives as we idolize. God will strip them back. But there's this, this intense period of stripping back. Our sources of security and our sources of peace are falling apart around us, the, the earthly ones. That This is the key to revival, people. This is the key to revival. This is the key to revival, that a nation can turn. The world has been altered completely radically in the space of the last three to four weeks. Nations can turn. And I believe the nation can turn back to God. I believe the nation can turn to Jesus for salvation. Ultimately, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the end game, amen. That's what will happen. All gods, all idols, eventually just laid waste and left standing in front of Yahweh God, the great I am. So Christians should rejoice. Christians should rejoice. We know the Savior has come. We could lay down palm knees every day, lay down our coats, welcome him in every day because he has come. And if you don't know him, I just want to save you some pain. God is the only true source of peace and joy. He is everlasting to everlasting. Don't waste your time. I've done it too. Trying to resolve my life through different externalized things and, and possessions and money and career, even family and all these securities that get placed in things. They so easily become idols and they have proven to be easily toppled. I think you've frozen. Have I? Can you hear me? Yeah. I can't hear it. I think it might be just us. Okay. Sorry. Um, I'm sorry, I'm just getting a signal that there's a freeze in the house, but you can't see me. I'm going to carry on in the hope that that, that is just here. <laughs> um, so in Exodus, an obedient heart comes up against a hard heart, and God triumphs. And, and we're going to pray at the end of this. Thank you, guys. Thanks for letting me know. It's just uh, Jane. Um, so, um, yeah, we're going to pray um, for people who are hard-hearted and resistant to God's family members, friends, neighbours, people we love and care about who have previously been very, nah, you God, you, you know, I've got all I need. Um, I'm going to pray. Uh, we're all going to pray about that together, that hearts would be softened. Right, let's read on. Um, I'm going to be fairly brief on the next section because it really just carries on um, when we get to, to Friday. Um, but this theme is going to flow on through. So let's, let's cue that up. So let me um, take us into my next point, which is the God, God versus the Pantheon. So Exodus um, 7, 10 to 13. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh. If you remember this instruction from before um, and his officials and that staff becomes a snake. And then Pharaoh summoned his wise men, his sorcerers, um, and the Egyptian magician, magicians, and um, they came and did the same things by their secret arts. So each one threw down his staff, and it became a snake, which is concerning. But then Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. 
Yet Pharaoh's heart became hard, as we know, um, and he would not listen, just as the Lord had said. So this is the first test of Pharaoh. Let me let me show you my God. He says, I can your God. Let me show you my gods. And then he just walks away. There's deep significance in this apparent snake fight that's going on. Um, it's about establishing God's authority, as I've said, that he is Lord Yahweh, the great I am our God. And he's going to go up against this pantheon, this, this collection of, uh, it's a good word, pantheon, isn't it? of the gods of Egypt. So have a think for a second. How many gods do you think Egypt had at the time? Because I imagine you think there's a few. You might even be able to name some, you know, Ra, Sun God, that's, the, that's a big, big guy, and some other ones. And you think about that and how many gods there might be. The reality is um, that it looks like there was about 3,000 at this time. They created 3,000 gods. Um, and there was some senior ones, the big names, but there was gods for everything and probably multiples for the same thing. 3,000 gods. Uh, and they believe you had to keep those gods happy or they'd react if you didn't, if you did something wrong, and you would not get their blessing, their gods were impatient. Um, and as you'll see on Friday and throughout the place, God's grace and His patience is evident. Um, the warnings, the moments to rethink, His patience is evident. And yet um, Pharaoh continues on, and the consequences of his hard heart. Fillmore said this on his book um, about Moses. He said. God, our God, was more gracious than they, the Egyptian, dared imagine. Whoops, that's not the one I was looking for. Let's see if I can get it. No, nope. never mind, I'll just read it to you. Um, I'll read it out. God was more gracious than they dared imagine. The Egyptians lived in mortal fear of their idols, and their religion was an anxious, an anxious attempt to keep each of their gods in their pantheon happy. So there's an anxiousness that if I did something wrong, I wouldn't get the blessing of this specific thing. Very much like prosperity ministry these days. If I don't do these things right, if I do these things wrong, uh, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be poor. But if I do these things right, I'll be wealthy. And that we're, we're going back to that way of thinking. And in, in Egypt, there was a hierarchy of gods building up, like I said, to Ra. Um, who will get dealt with, spoiler alert, here in the ninth plague. Ra will be the, the kind of the, the ninth one when God will deal with him. Um, what we're seeing is the precursor to all of that. Now, first you remember that Egypt and, and Pharaoh worshipped snakes. Marin spoke about this a little while ago. It was a symbol of Egypt's power. Um, and on Pharaoh's crown, and that's what you just saw flash up there, so I'll jump to it because we're probably going to see things out secretly. But, but here's an image. Um, I don't think that's as menacing as it actually was. But but on Pharaoh's crown um, would have been uh, a snake. And actually, that snake was often the cobra goddess. That one doesn't look particularly cobra-like there, but the cobra goddess Wajet. Um, and the cobra god goddess Wajet was the protector of the house, um, the protector of Egypt. So Pharaoh was... Um, having that on his head, she was the protector um, and would look after them. And they believed that snakes represented, they weren't as we imagine, we always think of, you know, slippery, slippery snake. They regarded them as powerful um, and wise and crafty in a good way. They, they, they considered them to be great things to idolize. Um, when Aaron's staff goes down and the demonstration of power that happens is his magicians, um, uh, we'll talk about those later on. They don't, don't last very long. They bring about their version of. So they say, "Well, you, there's your one. Well, here's exactly the same." And, and you know, the, the echo there is that you think you've got these things in Christianity. 
the world kind of offers the same love comfort relationship security it's all this we're just the same and what happens as you see is that god's snake his one which is um a, they're, they're big snakes by the way often the word tannin is used here big some say that's like a monster his snake just eats them all up just consumes them all um the word actually if it's um, if i understand it correctly translates more like he gulped them down like an effortless fast consumption like there's yours boom, gone and he just eats them up and so um th there's there's the that's the precursor that everything that they try and say is equal is just going to get consumed uh, and you read in Numbers 33 and then Exodus 12, 12, it says, And all of the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment, for I am the Lord. So so there's a story there. There's, and we'll go through it next on Friday when we walk through them all. What is God dealing with? Because each plague is not random. Each one deals with a very specific God of Egypt and a very specific, specific value that they hold strongly onto. So that's what we're going to go into. So let me summarize. Um, I'm bang on time here, so I just want to summarize, um, and then we're going to break off into prayer groups. So let's pause there. This was part one. Um, part two comes Friday, and then we lead into Passover on Sunday. Um, I'm just going to lead us into praying into groups. Um, God is patient, and he's full of grace towards us. He's made a way for us to return to him, and he's holding back on that judgment for those of us that are hard-hearted towards him because he's full of grace and love and patience. The Messiah, the Saviour King, has come. Jesus Christ is the one he has sent to save us from the consequences of our hard-heartedness and our sin. And the Saviour King, they've laid down those palm branches. Um, and kids, if you've got them, this is a time to look or wave your palm leaf that you made, um, if you've got one. Um, and I've got a picture here that can, can um, hopefully help. You know, they were laying down coats and waving palm leaves at him as he as Jesus comes in. The the Jews believed the palm leaves were a is a national symbol, but was also a sign of triumphant victory. So we wave them today as a sign of Christ's triumphant triumphant victory over sin and death. Because in Jesus Christ, hard heartedness, hearts of stone can be softened. Um, and Ezekiel 36, I think this might not work now because we're having some technical challenges now, um, says this. And, and, and Aaron read it last week, so let me just read it to you again. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. What a message to us through Exodus and a message to the, us at this time. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. The heart of flesh not of stone that's that's wonderful stuff to hear so in light of that um i invite anyone on this gathering who has been hard-hearted towards god whether you don't know him and you've been resistant to him or you feel that you've become hard-hearted towards god that god would deal with that if you don't know him that you would receive christ as the sacrifice of sin for you today you know you've been resistant you know you've been saying hey god I, I want to believe at this time that, that your heart is already being softened towards God. And today could be the day when you say, I give up. You are God. I need to turn to you. And Christ is offering a way to do that. The, the sacrifice for your sin that will separate you from God is dealt with on the cross through Jesus Christ. And you can be in relationship with him today. 
if that's you, you can you can if if you want to, you can you can go into the the group you'll be putting in a minute, and you can um, you can pray with that group. If today you feel like, I'm not sure I, I know what to do, if if you know someone in the church, just message them, and they can help you with that. But as a church, um, I'm going to put I'm going to ask Gareth in a second to put us into um, these rooms, and um, as he does that, I'm just going to leave because I'm on two devices. Um, I want you to pray these two things. Who is it that comes to mind? Is it a family, a friend, or a work colleague that is hard-hearted? So, so just remember that. Who is it that comes to mind that you're, you you love or you have um, compassion towards that you know is, is hard-hearted towards God? And in your group, you can lift them up to God because he's going to do the heavy lifting. Ask the Spirit to help you to be bold and obedient when the right moments come, but lift them up to God. And I appreciate, you know, that could take some time in your group. So we're not going to shut the groups down as quick as we did last week. We're going to leave them running for about 20 minutes, and you just use that time um, yourselves as feels right. But lift them up to God and let the group say yes and amen. Um, you know, maybe just go around the group, make sure everyone has a chance to mention one and, and whatever. You do it the way that your group feels best sorted. The second point I want to get into is, is what are you most anxious about right now? Now, for some of you, you may be, oh, okay, I don't feel I need to share. And that's okay. Um, but for, for many, I know. Because last week, one of the reasons that we the calls and people said they were great, but actually we sort of, there was a few people wanted to share about how they were dealing with the, the current situation. We're going to leave more time for that this week. So what are you anxious about right now in this situation? Um, and, and you think that has become quite idolatrous like an idol to me I'm, I'm really afraid I've got fear in my heart for losing it money job health family securities that, that you can think of these I, I lay awake at night worrying about this and and ask God to help you not idolize it but you know there's no way we can go through life not being concerned but if fear and worry starts to dominate them then I confess to you guys openly um, I run my own company and my own company is dependent on the client. And if that client says, we're done with you, that's the end of my business. It's over. There's no other way out of it. Um, and I want to provide for my family. That can be, if that gets to be so fearful to me that I'm idolizing, I'm putting all my hope in a contract and not my hope in God, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, the one that will provide. And when I accept that, there is a peace that transcends all understanding. Because if I go back into that worry, I just fall to pieces. But when I'm with God and he's been dealing with me so um, graciously of late, that's not where your security ever should have lied. And, and providing is good, but don't let it become you think it's your obsession. Uh, that's what you're going to You're in charge of all of that. I clothe the birds of the fields. I do everything we see on this beautiful sunny day outside. God created, God manages. God gives us air in our lungs, ways to have shelter, food. And maybe that's been an idol of late, but none of us have died from starvation. He provides our needs. God has got us. He's got us. 1 Peter 5 says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. He cares for you. He cares for me. He will not let to suffer. He will provide. And we've been trying to do it all ourselves in smaller or greater degrees. 
let's just be honest with each other. Let's ask for prayer into that, that, that we would, in those prayer moments, those anxieties would be cast on his shoulders. Amen. Thank you.